So I was an English major in, in college. I loved studying English. I loved to read. I loved literature. I loved creating writing, creative writing, all these things. But I never really studied grammar that much. I went through, got a, undergrad, a BA at the University of Texas and never had to diagram a sentence. Um, but, but I came to appreciate grammar later in life, especially when I was at seminary and first studying, trans, translating the translations of the Bible and studying Hebrew and Greek and, and the importance of, of grammar and syntax in taking concepts from one language to another. So as, a, as an English major and as a late-to-life grammar nerd, I want to bring a concept to you all that many of you may have forgotten. That is transitive and intransitive verbs. And I know you may be thinking like, oh my gosh, Pastor Wilson comes back and all he's doing is giving us grammar lessons. Um, but it is a little more than a simple grammar lesson. For a religion that claims that Jesus is the word made flesh, the logos of God in which we receive the words of God in scriptures, the language itself matters. The grammar matters. The syntax matters if we actually wish to understand what God is speaking to us. It matters tremendously for the life of faith. What are we talking about when we talk about God? That's the issue of what is referred to as doctrine or theology. What do we talk about when we talk about God? Doctrine isn't about us or what we do or shouldn't do or, or can't do. Doctrine is about what God has revealed to us about God's self. Doctrine is about God, full stop. Doctrine is what God has revealed to us, full stop. And an issue of central importance is to make sure we are talking about God and not about someone else or something else. As, as John Calvin said, the human heart is an idol factory, an idol factory. We are very efficient at creating idols. It's like a Fordist plant of creating idols. We can create idols out of anything. From the beginning of time, humans have created idols out of anything. If you look at almost any paragraph in the Old Testament, it's usually the Hebrew people are making an idol of something, and God is disappointed. It happens over and over again. God offers a promise. The people turn away. God forgives and delivers them, and the cycle starts again and again. As well, if belief is spoken of in, a transitive, in, in, in an intransitive way, it is incoherent for the Christian faith. Now, for a refresher course, if you don't remember the difference between a transitive and intransitive verb, a, a, tra a transitive verb has a direct object. An intransitive verb does not. For instance, run, rain, die, sneeze, sit, smile. These are intransitive verbs. I can say, I smile, and that's a complete sentence. It rains. It's a complete sentence. Those are intransitive ones. A transitive verb needs an object, like borrow, bring, promise, have, believe. I have this. I don't just have in general. You can't just have in general. I believe this. You can't just believe. It's incoherent. It needs an object. And when we don't give it an object, it opens us up for the, the human heart idol factory to start pumping out idols to replace it. This is the vacuity of people today who say they're spiritual and not religious. In which spirits are you connected? In which way are you not religious? And what do you believe? And what do you have faith? The question matters deeply. Are we talking about the triune God, the Father with the Son, Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit? Or are we talking about something 
else. The claim of Christianity is not that there exists some ephemeral spirituality that we all have access to and which compels us to be a little kinder to others. No, this claim is concrete. And it is summarized on, on the image in the bulletin up, up here and what we will say in a few minutes in the Apostles' Creed. And so, my brothers and sisters, we are starting a series on the Apostles' Creed. It is going to go on for a while. The historic doctrine, doctrinal statement of faith, we are going to look at the creed, at how the creed encapsulates scriptures and offers us a way to see what has been revealed about God, about who God is, about how the world is, about why we are in need, and how Jesus saves us and what we should do about it. And the first word of the creed in Latin is credo. I believe. The first word spoken in the, the underground baptistries in the, in the first and second century when this creed was written, when it was illegal to be a Christian, and they, were, they spoke these words right before they entered the waters of baptism. Credo. I believe. It's a first-person singular verb. I believe. Credo in Deum. I believe in God. Which God? What do we mean by God? And the creed goes on. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, of the skies and the land. The creed begins as the Bible begins with Genesis. It begins with God, the Father, before creation. It begins with a statement about creation. A statement about creation that has been controversial. Up until about the 1920s when Father Lemaitre theorized the Big Bang theory, most people, most scientists and cultures from all over the world assumed an eternal steady-state universe that had always existed. This was true for scientists as well as, as, well as myths of creation around the world. Most creation myths view the universe as consisting of a, a human plane and a supernatural plane with an assortment of deities or gods populating the different planes. They usually had special powers. A common mythological structure could be like the Norse mythology with, with Midgard being, being the Middle Earth and Asgard being the Higher Earth. And different gods, there's like Thor and Odin and Loki, but Odin, as the father of the gods, didn't create everything. Is a part of creation. The gods are within creation. Often, People project onto the God of the Bible a similar mindset of, of the Norse gods or the Greek gods, imagining that God is really powerful, but just really far away, maybe on a cloud far away, maybe on a mountaintop far away, kind of like Zeus, but with a fewer lightning bolts. They imagine that God is, is sometimes controlling us, sometimes not, sometimes scary, sometimes friendly, but that's not the God of the Christian religion at all. God is not just this big thing really far away, this big puppet master really far away. That's very, very different from the God of the Bible. At one point, I remember there was a debate between uh, the former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, and uh, a very loud atheist named Richard Dawkins, and uh, they were having uh, a conversation about the, the existence of God and the nature of God, and, and Rowan was, was pressed on the point, and he said, if God is just another part of material existence, that God needs to die because that God cannot save us. If God is just a part of creation, we have no hope in 
that God. And that is why the beginning of the Bible and the beginning of the creed, the beginning of all existence matters. If God is not the creator, God cannot be the savior. If God did not create, God has no power over us or over the world. Sure, such a God may have some cool powers here or there. They may have a nice catchphrase or a cool hammer, but ultimately they have no relationship, no connection, no reason to save us, no way for us to believe in them. And so we get to these first words of Scripture that Azar read a moment ago. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and the darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. The first act of creation is not the light. It's right here. It's the making of what is formless. It is these dark waters. It is, it is the, the lack of form going on. It is the making of the matter out of which all creation will emerge. As Hebrews 11 puts it, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. This is, this is God's great first act the formlessness of the void. The universe is not eternal. God is eternal. But what does that have to do with us today? I mentioned how this was controversial before the Big Bang. It is still controversial today, though in a different way. Most scientists would agree that there was a creation event of, sort, of sorts. Even staunchly atheistic cosmologists would say that prior to the Big Bang, something was but we can't study that. So we can't say yes or no, or what was there, how much was there. We can put theories about it, but we don't know what was there, which is fine as far as it goes. If, if scientists ever bring you a picture of God, it is not a picture of the God of the Christian faith, who has no material form or substance. It is controversial today because to say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, is to say that there is no human institution that is almighty. There is nothing created on this earth that is more powerful than God. To claim God as Father is not to claim a gender for God, but to call God Father because he bears out of himself and requires no fructifying that he is called Father. Not in the sexual sense, for he will be creator of man and woman, and thus contains the primal qualities of woman in himself in the same simultaneously transcending way as those of man. But there is still no human institution that made something out of nothing, and no human institution that's eternal. Not this city, not this county, not this state, not this country, not this global economic system. None of it is eternal, and none of it can save us. And the institution where most people encounter faith, most people all over the world, is not in church or religion or the country, but actually in financial transactions. In this funny little word called credit. Credit. I have a, I have a credit card. Many of you probably have a credit card. Credit comes from the Latin root word. The exact same word is credo. It's actually the third person singular of the verb. Instead of I believe, it's he or she believes. 
the exact same word. It's not even this like etymological jump and skip that you often have to do when looking at ancient words. It's the same very word. Credit is he or she believes. He or she believes that you are good for your word. And a bank gives you credit for it. They believe that you will pay it off and it is in their interest to do so. It's amazing how, how literal so much financial words are. Um, it's in their interest for you to do so, so they may either, you know, they charge you interest or in a savings account, um, you can get interest from them. When you have a credit card, it is a card the bank believes you will pay back. Now, this may seem completely separate from religion as you understand it, but the Bible actually has a lot to say about financial transactions. And we will, we all encounter credit in our lives a lot more than credo. I bet we all use a credit card a lot more than we say the Apostles' Creed. And that's, that's a reality of our existence today. The Bible talks about finances a lot. If you go through, through from the beginning to the end, there's not really a book of the Bible that avoids talking about finances, that, that avoids talking about land use, that avoids talking about just weights. The Bible talks a lot more about finance than it talks about sex, in the words of the Bible, on loans and interest, on debt and jubilee, these words speak strongly to our, our world we live in today, to our contemporary system. Just one example from the prophet Ezekiel. He speaks in very stark terms. Not a lot of sermons on Ezekiel 18. He says that anyone who lends at interest and takes a profit, shall he then live? He shall not live. He has done all these abominations. He shall surely die. His blood shall be upon himself. This is not mincing words here. They're unambiguous. It's not like, I wonder what he means by interest. I wonder what he means by loan. No, it's, it's a direct translation. The system which offers great wealth in this country and around the world is convenient, but it isn't, it isn't biblical. It's not based on scripture. It is convenient to believe in the status quo we all surround ourselves in and we all have benefited from, but it is not based on Scripture. It is convenient to assume that the Word of God speaks harshly to others and other systems more than it does to ourselves, but it is not. It is not biblical. To really believe that God is all-powerful and created everything is to admit that all our assumptions about how the world works could be washed away through the power of Jesus. I'm justified in nothing save Jesus Christ. Not this country or world system, not my family or my actions. As Paul says in Romans, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And as he says in Ephesians, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. And even with this radical understanding of grace, Jesus takes it a step further in Luke. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. There is no ground in which we can stand on save for Jesus Christ. As, as Article 1 of the Articles of Religion says, there is but one living and true God, everlasting without body or parts, infinite power, wisdom, and goodness, the maker and preserver of all things, both visible and invisible. What we know about God comes from God. It has been revealed by God, not on the news or social media. God did not choose those media, but not in, in biblical values. The Bible never really talks about values. That's not a biblical actual phrase. Values language is a way to avoid reading the Bible. God reveals God's self in Scripture, 
in, in strange and beautiful ways that often when you, when you dig into it, clash with our assumptions, all of our assumptions, my assumptions, your assumptions about how the world works and how it should work. To say I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, is not to say a thing about just the past, but about present reality. It is a radical claim. It is a radical claim. To say I believe in an intransitive way is not to say much at all. My belief could be in anything. Belief in myself, belief in the Longhorns, especially after yesterday, that was great. (laughs) Belief in a a set of, of values, but an intransitive belief is never a belief in the Christian God. To say I believe in God the Father Almighty is a claim about a present reality that we have to live into. We need to live into it in our daily life by looking at this world around us, not as this necessary thing that always was, not as these these systems and structures and relationships, as these predetermined things that always were, but as a gift from God. The world around us is a gift from God, a gift that the humans have spurned again and again and again. That's overall, the story of Scripture is humans spurning the gift of God and God being faithful. And yet, we're still offered that gift this day. To claim concretely our, our belief in the particular God of the Bible is to strike a blow against the idolatry that would deceive us and use us for its own ends. God and faith are not tools to further any political or economic end. God created everything not so that some of us could live a comfortable life. In Spicewood, Texas in 2022, God sent Jesus not to affirm us, but to redeem us. And the world that is in need of redemption. My brothers and sisters, receive this gift of faith from God Almighty. You are not the Savior. You are not the Creator. You are made and molded by God. You are loved by God. Your neighbor is loved by God. Your dog is loved by God. The trees were created and lovingly made by God and seen as good. You have been given a great gift that you do not deserve. The world owes you nothing. So live as if you have been given a great gift, not as if you're entitled to any of it, not as if you're entitled to a society that's more like the one of your childhood. Not as if you're entitled to Christian culture or biblical culture. Jesus doesn't give you a culture, but life, redemption, transformation. You have been created by God as gift. Give thanks and honor that gift in how you live. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your glorious act in creation. We thank you for the gift of faith in revealing yourself to us. Help us to respond to your grace by living a transformed life offered to others. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.